Welcome to Letter to Philippi Live, our daily broadcast looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians. Today we continue our study in Philippians 3, 4 through 11. And we'll be looking at what I entitled this section, The Centrality of Messiah Yeshua, that after dealing with the the opponents to the gospel, the false teachers that came in that uh, Paul warns about in uh, verses three, one, chapter three, verses one through three. In this section here, in four through eleven, we'll be looking at Paul's confronting the the false teachers by showing them that if he was to boast in himself, like they were boasting in themselves, he has a spectacular Jewish resume that he could hold out before them. And if they were to boast in their status in this world, their status and whatever whatever false teaching they're promoting in the city, either if it was somehow some false teaching about Gentiles needing to convert to Judaism, or as we saw in Mark Nanos's work, that the false teaching was, was about them being brought back into the religious cults of Philippi, including, as we see with the the uh, worship of Sibylle, that they had they had the uh, the ceremony where the initiates into the into the worship of Sibylle would go through go through uh, dancing crazily like dogs would be involved in being evil workers by participating in evil worship, and even more and being mutilated by them ha- being castrated for the worship of of the the, the uh, pagan god Sibylle. So Paul here is saying, whatever these opponents were, whatever they were putting forward in their sense of pride in their status, Paul said, if we're going to have a competition on status, let me tell you what I have behind me. And then he goes into, after sharing what, he, what I call his spectacular Jewish resume, he makes clear that the most important thing to him in his life is knowing the Messiah and knowing him more. And it is in knowing the Messiah that he has the fullness of life. So we will get uh, started here with a word of prayer, and then we'll go into our study for today. Oh Lord, you're good. We thank you for each new day you give us. We thank you for each new day we have to look into your holy word, these words of your servant Paul. We thank you, Lord, for what he gave to the people of Philippi and for us to be able to read these words now nearly 2,000 years later. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the Messiah who is our life and who we, as Paul calls us, we seek to become more and more and more in the Messiah. Help us do that today. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. So again, this is Letter to Philippi Live, a daily broadcast from lettertophilippi.org a new Messianic Jewish theological teaching organization. And if you want any more information on Letter to Philippi, you can go to our website, lettertophilippi.org. There you can watch past class videos or audios. You can you can sign up for our uh, our Apple podcast. You can read our, our Messianic Jewish book reviews. You can leave any questions you have. We have a contact form. You can make a prayer request. We'll be praying for you. You can make a much-needed much needed contribution to our work. We're a nonprofit organization dependent on the giving of those people who listen to our classes and, and uh, take part in our materials. 
And you can do all of that at letterdophilippi.org. And, uh, and Letter to Philippi Live is a daily, daily broadcast, a daily, our first initiative of this new Messianic Jewish theological teaching work. We started on June 1st of last year, going daily, daily through the book of Philippians. We continue that. We're now in our fourth time through the book of Philippians since we started in June 1st. And we're here now in the third chapter of the book to the Philippians, Letter to Philippi. And today we'll be looking at Philippians 3, 4 through 11, as Paul puts forward his, his, his Jewish resume, his spectacular Jewish resume, to contrast these false teachers who, who were in pride over their, their status. He, he puts forward, if I was to boast, this is what I could put forward, but my only boast is in the Messiah. The only thing of value to me is knowing Yeshua and being incorporated into the Messiah. So we'll see that as we go through our study today in the letter to Philippi. And as I said, we're looking at Philippians 3, 4 through 11 today. Take a quick sip of coffee. And we'll get into our study. We'll be looking first at Paul's Jewish resume in, uh, in uh, chapter, chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. And we will... Uh, Put the, put the text up on the screen. And we read in verses 4 through 6. Even though I certainly... Oh, what's this? Okay, let's work. Okay, there we are. Okay, even though I certainly have grounds for putting confidence in such things, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for putting confidence in human qualifications, I have better I have better grounds. Breach me law on the eighth day. By birth belonging to the people of Israel, from the tribe of Binyamin, a Hebrew speaker with Hebrew-speaking parents, in regard to the Torah, Perush, in regard to zeal, a persecutor of the Messianic community, in regard to the righteousness demanded by legalism, blameless. Let me read this again, his, what we put forward as his Jewish resume. Even though I certainly have grounds for putting confidence in such things, if anyone else thinks he has, conf- has grounds for putting confidence in human qualifications, I have better grounds. Breach Malah on the eighth day, by birth belonging to the people of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew speaker with Hebrew-speaking parents, in regards to the Torah a Perush. In regards to zeal, a persecutor of the Messianic community, in regard to the righteousness demanded by legalism, blameless. And just a little background there for, for uh, those unfamiliar with the, the Hebrew terms here, that Brit Malah on the eighth day, that he was circumcised on the eighth day according 
to the Torah's command, according to the Scripture's commands. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, the uh, the son of of uh, Rachel, Rachel, the the uh, the wife of Jacob, a Hebrew speaker with Hebrew speaking parents. In regards to the Torah, a Perush, a Perush or a Pharisee, that he says that in regards to the Torah, in regards to the law of God, he considered his his way of understanding it as a Perush, as a Pharisee. And he includes speaking of his persecution, his zeal for God he showed by his persecuting of the Messianic community of the early believers in Yeshua. Many commentators see these verses as a way for Paul to out-credential the opponents who are advocating for Gentile circumcision and Torah observance for Gentiles by putting forward a spectacular Jewish resume. Rather than seeking to out-credential his opponents, Paul is placing before the people in Philippi his authority as the teacher of these Philippian Gentiles. Paul is instructing them about the new life within within Jewish life as Gentiles and his authority over those opponents who are trying to bring the Philippian Yeshua followers into conformity with their former pagan life and the norms of society. So there are two opinions on what Paul is actually doing here. Is he, is he seeking to out-credential these, these false teachers? Or is he, or is he speaking more, more as that he was putting forward his authority to be the one to speak to the people in Philippi that that he he is he is not focusing on on in the sense of pride in himself by putting forward these credentials, but in his credentials he's saying saying you know, that I am the one who is your teacher, and basically putting forward that he, reminding the people of Philippi that if they want to know how they were to walk in their new life, following the Messiah or following Yeshua. They were to do it by following what Paul gives them. Paul is their teacher, and these other ones speaking outside were not in conformity with Paul's teaching, and therefore should not be be hearkened unto. Paul clarifies that not not in this that not only is he a Jew, but he's a Jew par excellence. We see that he comes from observant parents who had him circumcised on the eighth day to observe the Torah's commands, according to Theodoret. An early church father, Paul bolstered his authority by specifying his descent from Benjamin, the son of Rachel, Jacob's beloved wife. In these verses, Paul speaks of his connection to and zealous practice of Judaism. He was a student of the great Jewish sage Gamaliel, which we read about in Acts 22.3, and he sought to advance in his learning and practice of Judaism to exceed his peers, which we see in Galatians 1.14, to prove himself as a faithful and zealous Jew for the Torah, for the, the law of Moses. Paul here showed, his, showed no dissatisfaction concerning his life as a Jew, as one who practiced Judaism with zeal, even going as far as claiming to be blameless in relation to the Torah, the law's commands. According to Rabbi David Friedman, a blessed memory. Paul speaks in the present tense of his life as a Perush, as a Pharisee, 
here speaking that the now, now as we said, this is this is near the end of Paul's life. He had been a follower of Yeshua for twenty plus years now, but he still understands himself as a parush, as a Pharisee, as one who is practicing Judaism according to the tradition of the Pharisee. And Paul here, in presenting his his Jewish resume, speaks about how his zeal, his zeal for Judaism, his zeal for the traditions of his father, for the religion of, of his birth, that he had zeal motivated him, motivated motivated him to succeed in his traditional Jewish studies. As he sought the highest level of Torah observance taught by his teachers. Paul underscored in Galatians 1.14 that his zealousness included his zeal for the oral Torah, for the traditions of the elders, traditions passed down by his ancestors. Unfortunately, he also admits that his zealousness for his religious practice led him to persecute the followers of Yeshua and seek to destroy the early Messianic Jewish community. So he does, does speak positively about his zeal for Judaism, his positive, his positive zeal for the traditions of his elders, for the, the faith of his fathers. He does, he does share the also that his, this zeal did go too far, including the persecution of the early Messian Jewish community. In the detailed listing of his Jewish credentials, Paul expresses confidence in them in verse 4. We also see Paul's adding abiding connection as a Jew to his Jewish people when he warmly describes them in Romans 9, 4 through 5, as we read before in chapter 2, which reads, The people of Israel, they were made God's children. Shekinah, the very glory of God, has been with them. The covenants are theirs, likewise the giving of the Torah, the temple service, and the promises. The patriarchs are there, and from them, as far as his physical descent is concerned, came the Messiah, who is overall praised beyond an eye forever. Amen. In stating that he is a Hebrew speaker with Hebrew-speaking parents, Paul emphasized that he lived within a Hebrew-speaking family and community, and therefore had a higher status than diaspora Jews from Jews from outside of outside of the Hebrew-speaking world. Paul stressed to his opponents who focused on human qualifications that he had better qualifications than they did, which could indicate his opponents were converts to Judaism. Paul points out his lifelong status as a Jew, as well as his status as a Hebrew-speaking Jew. Paul's listening of his Jewish credentials and heritage Philippians 3, 4-6, and Romans 9, 4-5, brings to mind the words of the Passover song, Dainu. In this song, sung during the Passover Seder, we see a progression of 15 miracles performed by God for the Jewish people. And we read them in, in pro- progression, each of these miracles that God did for the Jewish people. Number one, if he had brought us out of Egypt. Two, if he had executed justice upon the Egyptians. Three, if he had executed justice upon their gods. Number four, if he had slain their firstborn. Number five, if he had given us their health and wealth. Number six, if he had split the sea for us. 
Number seven, if he had led us through on dry land. Number eight, if he had drowned our oppressors. Nine, if he provided for our needs in the wilderness for 40 years. Number 10, if he had fed us manna. Number 11, if he had given us Shabbat. Number 12, if he led us to Mount Sinai. Number 13, if he had given us the Torah. 14, if he had brought us in the land of Israel. 15, if he built a temple for us. Dainu. Following the recitation of each of these miraculous events in the life of the Jewish people during the Exodus is a course of Dainu, a Hebrew word meaning that would have been enough. The recitation of each of these miracles from being brought out of Egypt to the building of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem would in its own right be a sufficient blessing that would have been enough from the God of Israel as a gift to the people of Israel. Paul is likewise listing his Jewish credentials, minus his persecution of believers, as blessings from God, each of which is of great value, such as each of the miracles in the song, which can stand alone as miraculous acts of love for Israel by God, with each new miracle being even more of a blessing. As we will see in verse 8 below, Paul's greatest dainu blessing in his life is knowing Messiah and following Yeshua. Everything else about his life and heritage is valuable and a divine blessing, but they do not compare with the revelation of Yeshua in his life. After an extensive listing of all that he can boast about in his Jewish resume and all that he had from birth and practice, Paul made clear to the Philippians that his only source of true confidence was in Yeshua living in union with the Messiah as his sole focus. Let me read that again. After an extensive listing of all that he can boast about in his Jewish resume, and all that he had from birth and practice, Paul made clear to the Philippians that his only source of true confidence was in Yeshua, living in union with Messiah as his sole focus. So now we'll be looking at a section I entitled The Cost of Knowing Messiah, verses 7 through 11 of chapter 3. As we continue now, that Paul has put forward his Jewish resume, and now he's, he's going to show that the most important thing of his life is knowing Messiah Yeshua and being conformed to the image of the Son. In verse 7, we read, But the things that I used, that used to be advantages for me, I have, because of the Messiah, come to consider a disadvantage. Let me read that again. But the things that used to be advantages for me, I have, because of the Messiah, come to consider a disadvantage. Paul realized that in Yeshua, everything else pales, and that in this new life, his relationship with God was no longer based on his actions, human qualifications, and even his genuine Jewish background, 
But instead, life is in Yeshua. As scholar Robert Sloan stated, as, and Paul says that he realized, he realized that the Messiah had come, the Messiah by God's plan and purpose had suffered sacrificially for us and been raised from the dead to start a new creation. Paul realized that those things that were he was depending upon in the past were not sufficient to save. For Paul, knowing the Messiah and being integrated into the life of Yeshua has also trans has so transformed him that his whole identity from the time of his encounter with Yeshua in the Damascus Road is now wholly about becoming more and more and more in Messiah. Let me read that again. Those are powerful words. For Paul, knowing the Messiah and being integrated into the life of Yeshua has so transformed him that his whole identity from the time of his encounter with Yeshua on the road to Damascus is now wholly about becoming more and more and more in the Messiah. The core of his life is the transformation he had in his experience of coming to know Yeshua as the Messiah of Israel. Everything else in his life, including his sterling Jewish resume, cannot compare with his incorporation into the Messiah. His life itself is no longer his, but he now lives solely connected to and empowered by the Messiah. You read that again, I kind of stumbled on that. His life itself is no longer his, but he now lives solely connected to and empowered by the Messiah. We see this more fully in Galatians 2.20 which reads, when Messiah was executed on the stake as a criminal, I was too, so that my proud ego no longer lives, but Messiah lives in me, and the life I now live in my body, I live by the same trusting faithfulness the Son of God had, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Rather than looking at his pre-Yeshua life in Judaism negatively, Paul is now in Messiah looking back at his whole life and reevaluating all of his life compared to knowing the Messiah. He does not look back on his life before knowing the Messiah negatively as a conversion from Judaism to Christianity, but a new experience of Judaism and Torah life now in the Messiah. His life in Judaism is entirely in Yeshua without rejecting his past. We can see Paul here in the use of advantage disadvantage, using similar language to Yeshua, our righteous Messiah, in Matthew 16, 26, where Yeshua said, What good will it do someone if he gains the whole world but forfeits his life? Or what can a person give in exchange for his life? Here Yeshua is contrasting gaining the entire world a great advantage but at the great cost or loss of one's life. Unlike the person in Yeshua's example that shows advantages in this world over life in the world to come, Paul considers all of no advantage with the supreme knowledge of union with Messiah. Read that again. Paul considers all in his life of no advantage for the supreme knowledge and union with Messiah Yeshua.
in verse 8 and 9 we read, Not only that, but I consider everything a disadvantage in comparison with the supreme value of knowing the Messiah Yeshua as my Lord. It was because of him I gave up everything and regarded all as garbage to gain the Messiah. And be found in union with him, not having any righteousness of my own based on legalism, but having that righteousness which comes through the Messiah's faithfulness, the righteous from God based on trust. So here in verse 8 we see, as Paul had previously looked upon Yeshua in the Messianic community as worthless garbage, after his experience on the Damascus Road, you now see Yeshua and the Messianic community as supremely valuable. Paul here makes a comparison and how he regards his Jewish identity as garbage compared to knowing the Messiah. Both were highly valuable, but the new revelation made the new thing even more valuable. Paul experienced knowing Yeshua as Messiah and Lord, the spiritual union of Paul with the Messiah, incorporation into him. Though many commentators interpreted this verse as Paul's complete rejection of Judaism, a better understanding is that to Paul, everything else in life, even his heritage as a Torah faithful Jew, paled by comparison to knowing the Messiah, even being considered rubbish. Stanley Stowers, biblical scholar, put it this way, Paul's narrative, no more regards his past life as worthless than the exalted prerogatives the Messiah gave up, which should be regarded, which, uh, which should be regarded as worthless. Rather, the first pales in comparison with the second. For N.T. Wright, biblical scholar, New Testament scholar, Paul left behind his life as a Pharisee, so that now his life was in Messiah and no longer in the Pharisaic world. The Paul's own words of defense before King Agrippa near the end of his life showed Paul touting his Jewish bona fides, where Paul said, So then all Jews know how I have lived from my youth on, both in my own country and in Yerushalayim. They have known me for a long time, and if they are willing, they can testify that I have followed the strictest party in our religion. That is, I have lived as a parush. Perhaps 1 Corinthians 9, 20 through 21 best clarifies Paul's relationship to the Torah, while affirming in verse 20 he is not in subjection to a legalist perversion of the Torah, Paul does declare he is not outside the framework of God's Torah, but within the framework of Torah as upheld by the Messiah. Paul, who is a Jew, who has found fulfillment of the Jewish Messianic hope in Yeshua. In embracing Yeshua, Paul did not become a non-Jew, but a different Jew a Jew that followed Yeshua. His embracing Yeshua as the Messiah and Lord makes everything else in his life of lesser value. Paul now sees even those things of highest value, including spectacular Jewish heritage and practice of Judaism, as valueless compared to knowing Yeshua and experiencing the new life that comes from union with Messiah. Gaining Messiah is to Paul 
so profound and transformative that all else drops in comparison. Let me read that again. This this comes from uh, from scholar scholar uh, Marcus Bachmel, who was very important in my studies of of Philippians, and he says gaining Messiah is to Paul so profound and transformative that all else drops in comparative value. From the time from the time forward, Paul f- continues living as a Torah faithful Jew, as we see in First Corinthians nine twenty one. Only now he does so as a Jew seeking to be more and more like the Messiah. Let me read that again. From the t- from this time forward of his encounter with Yeshua, Paul continues living as a Torah faithful Jew, as described in First Corinthians nine twenty one. Only now he does so as a Jew seeking to be more and more and more like the Messiah. So Paul continues his life after his encounter with Yeshua, living as a Torah faithful Jew, but now as a Torah faithful Jew seeking to conform himself to the image of the Messiah and become more and more and more in the Messiah as he continues to practice his life as a Torah faithful Jew. Paul can say with conviction in Acts 28, 17, brothers, Although I have done nothing against either our people or the tradition of our fathers, I was made a prisoner in Yerushalayim and handed over to the Romans. Paul made this statement near the time he wrote Philippians. Based on the understanding, the letter was written during Paul's final imprisonment in Rome. Before the accusing Jewish leaders, Paul declared his faithfulness to the Torah and even the traditions of our fathers. The traditions, also known as the Oral Torah, would later be codified in the Mishnah. Paul understood that in the Messiah, his righteousness no longer depended on his work and observance, but the righteousness he attained by placing his faith trust in Yeshua. Paul could continue living his faith in Yeshua. Continue, continue. Paul could continue living his life as a Jew, following the Torah knowing Messiah was the source of his righteousness, and that he could live out his life as an act of obedience alone and not to attain righteousness. Paul understands now that he continues to live his life as a Torah faithful Jew, and his life as, as a Torah faithful Jew is a continuing act of obedience to God, not as, as, as a way of seeking righteousness, but seeking to obey the words that God has given, obey the, the, the commands that he was given as a Jew, that his life now, living as a Torah faithful Jew, was a life of obedience following the Messiah of Israel, that his righteousness was secured in the Messiah, and he continues to live as a Torah faithful Jew by following the words of the Messiah and following the Messiah as a Torah faithful Jew and seeing him become more and more like the Messiah as he continues to live his life as a, as a Jew, now as a Jew following the Messiah of Israel. Paul now fully depended on the righteousness of, the, of his Lord. From his encounter with Yeshua on the road to Damascus, Paul was on a lifelong journey to know the Messiah more. Paul knew with the completion of his journey lay the Messiah in life eternal, and all that he lost for, the, for that gain was well worth whatever was ahead. What Paul gave up to know Messiah could be his former career path in the large Jewish world 
as the Pharisee trained at the feet of Gamaliel, the great sage, which we read about in Acts, in the book of Acts. Paul had before him the possibility of a great honor and respect as one of the great Jewish teachers and leaders of the Second Temple period. He could have even followed his teacher Gamaliel as a leader in the Sanhedrin. But he let this, he let this path go. Choose another one that led toward Yeshua. His choice was between being a respected sage and leader in the larger Jewish world or being a persecuted emissary of Messiah Yeshua, and he chose the latter. Paul uses his rhetorical gifting to make clear to the Philippians the extreme value of knowing Yeshua and being incorporated into the Messianic community, which can render all worthless in comparison, even referring to his pre-Yeshua life as garbage. Early church father John Chrysostom, in his homilies on Philippians, written in the 4th century of the Common Era, has been the basis for much of the anti-Judaism interpretations of Philippians. Yet in his homily on this verse, he provides an interesting analogy that helps us to understand Paul's need to differentiate and choose. And we read, this is from, from, uh, from Chrysostom's homily on Philippians on, on this verse on 3.8. Whereas a poor man that was in hunger, as long as he has silver, escapes hunger. But when he finds gold, and is no longer able to keep both, considers it loss to retain the former, and having thrown it away, takes the gold coin. So also here, not because the silver is lost, for it is not, because it is impossible to take both at once, but it is necessary to leave one. So looking at these words here from Chrysostom, we see that a comparison to what what we have the story of this poor man with this with all of his his worldly wealth in silver and with as long as he has that he can escape hunger he has he has enough silver that he's carrying with him that can that can support him in his life and to keep him from hunger to supply his needs but in his journey he came come across came across a bag of gold and which is which is of, of greater value, and he can only carry one of the two. He's got he's got silver enough to to supply all of his needs. Can take care of his life to keep him from hunger, to keep him clothed, keep him housed. All of his needs are taken care of with the bag of silver, but he sees the bag of gold, which is worth far more, and he can only carry carry one of the two. So he considers the silver, which is his is his sustaining his sustaining source of, of funds, is enough to to keep him alive. Is basically all that he has in the world, all that he has to keep him alive. He can lay that aside. Consider that consider that garbage, though it's of highly value. It's enough enough to supply all of his needs. But he takes he takes up the gold bag, which is worth far more, and could provide for for much longer care for him. Though all of his needs are provided with the with the silver, he's able to lay it aside and even consider it garbage. So, and like like this, we see we see Paul that he's willing to that he too has has his great 
Jewish heritage that was highly valuable and a great worth. And he was, and he was, had his pathway that he was on going to be, to be one of the great sages of Judaism following his teacher Gamaliel. But all of that great, great background and, and great career path ahead of him, he was able to put that aside, consider it, consider it worthless, consider it garbage for the supreme value of knowing the Messiah Yeshua. It's still a great value, but knowing Messiah and living his life now in the Messiah was so much greater. He was willing to lay that aside and to take on knowing the Messiah. You know, so th- so like like so like that we see we see the poor man setting aside the silver, which was which is this, which is this, his great value of sustaining and considering it worthless in comparison to the to the gold. Paul here was willing to lay aside his his great background, his career path that could have led him to be the leader of the, of the Sanhedrin, to grab onto Yeshua, to take on life in Yeshua take on the suffering of following Yeshua and a path that would lead him to suffering rather than, than great, great gain in this world. But he did that for knowing the Messiah. The, knowing the Messiah was of such great importance that everything else in his life was considered he could lay aside to know the Messiah more and to live his life now as a Jew following Torah, following the Messiah of Israel, and everything else he was willing to lay aside to know the Messiah more. And his full centrality of his life was on becoming more and more and more in the Messiah. In verse 9, which we read, we'll read it again. We see Paul saying, And to be found in union with him, Yeshua, not having a righteousness of my own based on legalism, but having that righteousness which comes through the Messiah's faithfulness, the righteousness from God based on trust. Let me read it again. And to be found in union with him, not having any righteousness of my own based on legalism, but having the righteousness that comes through the Messiah's faithfulness, the righteousness from God based on trust. Paul here states that the one thing of supreme value, rendering everything else worthless, is knowing Yeshua and gaining righteousness before God based on his trust and not on his human endeavors. It is by his union with the Messiah that Paul knows he now has righteousness based on the Messiah's faithfulness. Paul expresses his hope in his union with the Messiah given that Paul has been granted the righteousness of Messiah by his faith trust in Yeshua. Paul knows now it is the righteous Messiah, not his own, that made him right with God. Paul had found the Messiah, the one to bring redemption to Israel and the nations. Paul's life radically changed from being a persecutor of Yeshua and his Talmudim, his disciples, to becoming a proclaimer of the message of Yeshua to the Gentile world. This union with Yeshua compelled Paul to devote the rest of his life to serving the Messiah. To those in Philippi who taught that righteousness before God was through Torah observance, and those today who teach the same, Paul here is clarifying 
Their right standing with God is solely in union with the Messiah. Righteousness before God is only available through the atoning work of Yeshua, where Yeshua exchanged our sinfulness for his righteousness. In Yeshua, God stepped into history and provided a way for final right standing for those who trust in Yeshua as Messiah and Lord, which we see in Jeremiah's prophetic words, where he wrote, The days are coming, says Adonai, when I will raise a righteous branch for David. He will reign as king and succeed. He will do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Jehuda will be saved. Israel will live in safety. And the name given to him will be Adonai Tzikenu, Adonai our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. And that's from Jeremiah 23, 5-6. Paul here is making sure be his own experience, that the Philippians know the righteousness of God is available only in Yeshua. Any effort at seeking righteousness before God outside of Yeshua falls short. In Romans, Paul spoke of the righteousness of the observant Jewish community. And this is from Romans 10, 1 through 4, where he read, he, said, he wrote, Brothers, my heart's deepest desire and my prayer to God for Israel is for their salvation, where I can testify to their zeal for God, but it's not based on correct understanding. For since they are unaware of God's way of making people righteous, instead seek to set up their own, they have not submitted themselves to God's way of making people righteous. But the goal which the Torah aims is the Messiah, who offers righteousness to everyone who trusts. Paul's point in Philippians 3.9 is that the only righteousness that he and the Philippians and us as example need is their trust in Yeshua and not righteousness through their own endeavors, even in circumcision or other acts, actions on their part. There's, though there's the continuing act of obedience of Jews to follow Torah. Salvation is only through the atoning work of Yeshua. And Paul is making clear that the people in Philippi understand that their righteousness is not dependent on their actions, but is dependent on their faith trust alone. And for the Jews in Philippi, they were to continue to live their lives ordered by the Torah, following Torah commands, circumcising their sons on the eighth day, observing the Sabbath, observing the, the kosher dietary laws, observing the holidays of Judaism as acts of obedience to God and not acts of seeking salvation, which is only provided through Yeshua. There was continuing to be faithful acts of, of Torah observance, but as acts of simple obedience to God and not acts of seeking righteousness because only source of righteousness is in the finished work of the Messiah Yeshua. Messiah Yeshua is the only source of life, the only source of full atonement, the only source of the righteousness that is needed before God. But for Jews, there was a continuing act of obedience as ones who were redeemed to continue to observe God's commands as acts of simple obedience to the God of Israel. In verse 10, we continue. And Paul says here in verse 10, Yes, 
I gave it all up in order to know him, that is to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, as I am being conformed to his death. I'm going to read that again. Yes, I gave it all up in order to know him, that is to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, as I am being conformed to his death. Paul here reflects on what he gave up, as stated above, considering all that he had previously valued in his life, even his spectacular Jewish resume, to fully know Yeshua and to model himself like his Messiah. We can see Paul here acknowledging that in Yeshua he has received what Moses and the other prophets had hoped, the reality of intimately knowing God because of the work of Yeshua on his behalf. This reality included taking on suffering like his master. It is in seeking to more fully know Yeshua and experience the power of the resurrection life in Messiah that has become Paul's sole passion. Considering his Damascus Road experience, Paul's life is a continuous striving to conform himself to the Messiah, to gain the resurrection that only Yeshua offered. So Paul here in verse 9 verse 10, speaks about all that he gave up to know the Messiah, to know Yeshua. He was willing to give up everything in his life, everything he was willing to, to devalue anything else in his life, but to know the Messiah. All that he had, his, his, as I said, his spectacular Jewish resume, his, his career path that he could have followed, be one of the great sages in Judaism. He laid that all aside for a life of suffering, a life of sorrow, and a life that would that would eventually lead to the executioner's executioner's uh, blade with his life when his when he was beheaded under Nero, he gave everything up in his life, everything of value. He was willing to lay aside to know the Messiah, to know the power of his resurrection, to know the suffering of the Messiah, and be conformed to the Messiah even conformed to the Messiah's death, which he gave his life, laid down his life for his devotion to Messiah Yeshua. And we see in our last verse that we're looking at today, verse 11, which reads, so that somehow I might arrive at being resurrected from the dead. Paul here is not questioning his eternal destiny. He knows that in his knowledge of Messiah, in his commitment to the Messiah, his trust in the Messiah, he has eternal life. He knows that is ahead of him. So he's not, not questioning his eternal destiny, but Paul here is stressing the importance of his own actively striving to model the Messiah in his life. And he commends the same striving to the Philippians on us by example. So Paul here is, is saying, it could, be, it could look as if Paul somehow was saying that he's hoping that somehow he can, he, can, he can strive to, to, to make it, somehow make it over the line, do enough to gain his salvation. But he knows his salvation is secure in the Messiah. And he's not speaking about, about striving for, to earn salvation, but seeking to become more and more like the Messiah, that he can be, he can be more and more Messiah in his life. That he's not, not questioning salvation, but, but speaking about how he, wants to continue in this life to strive 
to become more and more like the Messiah in this life, knowing that his eternal destiny is secure. He has received the atonement only Yeshua provides, and now he is seeking to spend what, what is left of his life, striving to become more and more like his master. Paul understood that the goal of his life was resurrection and eternal life with Yeshua. And he wrote, he wrote in Romans 8, 18, I don't think the sufferings we are going through now are even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us in the future. So Paul here, as he concludes this section, speaking about all that he gave up to know the Messiah and that in knowing the Messiah, he has gained eternal life. He has gained the full atonement. And now his salvation is secure. And it's not based on anything that he does, based solely on his faith, trust in Yeshua. And he can, but he continues to live his life as a Torah faithful Jew, as active obedience to the God of Israel, to the God of his fathers. He continues to live his life now as a, as a Torah faithful Jew in the Messiah, as a Torah faithful Messianic Jew, as we would say today. Paul will live his life now, striving toward that final day when he, he fully, fully sees the Messiah and fully enters into that life anew, that life eternal in the Messiah. And, and as he said, he puts everything in his life is about the Messiah and knowing the Messiah more and more and more and seeking to continue all that he does to be transformed into the image of the Son, into the image of the Messiah, and to be, as he says in verse 9, to be found in union with him, not having righteousness of my own, but having the righteousness which comes through the Messiah's faithfulness, the righteousness from God based on trust. So Paul here, in this section, this long section, he, as he said, we've put forward his Jewish resume, all of the greatness of, of, his, of his life as an observant Jew, many things that he could hold out as sources of pride if he were to, to do that. But he says his only source of pride is in knowing the Messiah and becoming conformed to the image of the Son. And everything in his life, everything of value, pales in comparison to knowing the Messiah. And he calls people in Philippi and us by example to take that mindset in ourselves that the most important thing in our life is knowing the Messiah, becoming more and more and more in the Messiah. And anything of value in our life pales in comparison to knowing the new life that only Yeshua can provide, to be incorporated into him, and to know the atonement that only provides, and seek to live our lives, both the Jewish and Gentile followers of the Messiah, walking in his ways, and seeking to become more and more like our master every day. So Paul is calling us to understand the centrality of Messiah Yeshua in our life, that we as Talmudim Yeshua need to focus all of our life on serving the Messiah, and all of our life is focused on knowing him more, serving him more, and making him have known more in our world. We are called to be in the image of the Messiah and to, and to seek to be conformed to him every day. And Paul here shows us that he is our example of one who laid everything aside in his life to know the Messiah and to know the power of his resurrection 
to know the new life that only he provides. And Paul here is calling people Philippi in his example to take on that mindset, to take on that life, that the central point of our life, everything about our life is becoming more and more and more in the Messiah. So that will conclude our study for today as we looked at Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11, which I call this, which I call this teaching, the centrality of the Messiah, Yeshua. How Paul put forward that if he was to be proud of, of his background, he surely has the spectacular Jewish resume. But his focus is not on the spectacular, his spectacular background, his spectacular, spectacular uh, career path that he was on, on his way to become one of the great sages in Judaism. But his life at, from his encounter with Yeshua was down to be focused solely on living for the Messiah and becoming more like the Messiah and to live his life now as an observant Jew following the Messiah of Israel and conform to, to that image of the Messiah and seeking all that he does to give honor and glory to the God of Israel and to make himself conform to the image of the Messiah. And that's what we saw today, the Paul putting forward to the Philippians and to us that our example should be like his, totally devoted to making Yeshua the central, central in our life and knowing the Messiah and becoming more like him as our daily journey as we continue to live in this life until the Messiah comes. And you continue, we'll see that tomorrow as we continue on our study, that Paul now will be speaking more to the Philippians about their new life in the Messiah. Now that he's, he's told them to focus their life on Yeshua, now he is, he is calling the people to continue to become more like the Messiah and to live their new life in the Messiah and seeking to become more like him each day. So that will conclude our time for today here at Letter to Philippi Live, a daily teaching program from Messianic Jewish Theological Perspective as we look at Paul's letter to the Philippians, letter to Philippi, and we continue here Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Chicago time, 3 p.m. Orlando time, 10 p.m. Jerusalem time, and also 1 p.m. Phoenix time. And we will be continuing our study looking at Philippians 3, verses 12 through 17, a section I entitled The New Life of the Messiah, as Paul is continuing to teach the Philippians, now that they focus their life on the Messiah, now how do they live this new life? How do they continue to become more and more and more in the Messiah and following the example of Paul, who, who had given up everything in his life for the knowledge of the Messiah, and he calls the people in Philippi to take upon themselves that life of becoming more and more and more in the Messiah. So we'll be looking at that tomorrow. And as I said, this is Letter to Philippi Live, an initiative of lettertophilippi.org, a new Messian Jewish theological teaching organization. If you want information on Letter to Philippi, go to lettertophilippi.org. There you can, you can fill out our contact form, ask any questions. I want to answer your questions. You can leave a prayer request or prayer requests, and I'll pray for your needs. I want to be praying for those who are watching our broadcast. You can purchase a copy of our our Messian Commentary in Philippians on our uh, resources page. You can make a contribution to our work. We are an independent organization. We're a non-profit organization dependent on you. We don't have any 
major major backers. We are solely dependent on the giving of those who watch our our classes. You can read our our mission statement. We have our Messian Jewish book reviews. We'll be adding to soon, and any other information you want about us, you can go to letter to philippi.org, and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Pray for your pray for your needs, and uh, we'll be here tomorrow at 12 p.m. Pacific time. 1 p.m. Phoenix time, 2 p.m. Chicago time, 3 p.m. Orlando time, and 10 p.m. Jerusalem time. And uh, we'll continue our study in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, or a section I entitled The New Life in Messiah, that Paul is continuing teaching the people of Philippi and us by example about now that we focus our life on Yeshua, how do we live this new life in the Messiah? It's going to become more and more and more in the Messiah each day. So we'll be looking at that tomorrow. Thank you for watching. This is Letter to Philippi Live from lettertophilippi.org. My name is Sean Imsley. I'm the founder of Letter to Philippi and the teacher of this class. And we will see you tomorrow as we continue this study, this ongoing daily verse-by-verse study through Paul's letter to the Philippians tomorrow on Letter to Philippi Live. Thank you for watching. Shalom. And we will see you tomorrow.